the city uh, leaders have seen this as, as a plus for quite some time. Of course, now a little over about six years ago is when we began to talk to them about creating my position. And it fell on good ears. Um, the city council was, uh, and we have a, a mayor and four city council people, and they all voted for it. It's a great thing to not have to depend on the volunteers. And, and it kind of shows that the city is kind of behind this. None of those people mountain bike, but they all see mountain bikes moving around in town now. And so they really want to see the expansion. And um, Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blom. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 141, we have a conversation with Marcus Tillman. Marcus is the Recreation Trail Director for the City of Anniston, Alabama. If you haven't been aware of what's happening in Anniston, you might be quite surprised. Anniston is a bronze-level IMBA ride center with aspirations of getting to gold. There are multiple excellent riding locations in the Anniston region, including Coldwater Mountain and Fort McClellan, which covers all of the bases in terms of diverse mountain biking experiences. Anniston has embraced cycling as a whole, and that's really apparent throughout this conversation with Marcus. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites, as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right, www.dojustsendit will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. A huge thank you goes out to the multiple people who have placed orders for Cattle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. This support definitely does not go unnoticed. I hope you are all enjoying the products that have been ordered. When you use the links found under the affiliate section at the Trail Effect website, a portion of the proceeds will help fund the Trail Effect podcast. Bonus, use the code TRAILPOD when checking out for a 20% discount on all Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. Now on to the Trail Effect with Marcus Tillman. So Randy Spangler, he built the Oval Office Trail, uh, and then he came out and built uh, Gaza, the the downhill part of Gaza. So it's um, he had the 4,500-pound machine, and I, I spent three days with him. And it, you talk about a, a, a wonderful dude that's, you know, uh, just a worker. He was up there by himself. It was during it was springtime. And I still remember I, I, I made it. I made a special trip up there. I said, I said, Randy, you can't stay up here with this tarp. Um, a tornado is going to be coming through. He said, How do you know? I said, Well, there's a there's a front, and it's over near Tuscaloosa right now, and it's heading this way. So I'd ridden my bike up to him, and uh, he's like, Are You sure? And I said, I said, uh, Yeah, you don't want to be up here when when even if the tornado doesn't form and hit you. Uh, you know, it's going to have 60 mile an hour straight line winds, uh, lots of lightning. He's sitting south facing slope uh, at about 1800 feet. I'm like, and there's nothing. 
blocking the wind from me. I said, and I said, because that was his little camp. He had a little tarp set up there and he was just kind of, he'd come down off the mountain about every three days. And, but I, w- I went up there three days and grubbed for him and I thought my back was going to break. I could barely, I could barely walk. And I bet you I didn't do 200 yards. And I looked at the flag line and it was, a, it's very steep. It's uh, right at the, at the cusp of one of the sinkholes. And and you're looking at about a 45 degree pitch, and and I'm like, are you going to do that? And and now I ride it, and I think, you know, this. How did he get that machine through here? You know, uh, I mean, it had to be a 4,500 pound machine because of the boulders. So he basically took these big rocks. It's an area that doesn't have like the bowling balls there. The rocks are the size of a printer to about the size of a refrigerator. And he put them and lined them up, you know, so you, you have a, a workable line. And I said, you know, who, who's going to ride this? And he said, the guy with six inches of travel and big balls. And I said, okay. <laughs> what year was this again? <laughs> this would have been, let's see, Coldwater opened officially in 2012. So this would have been 2014, 15, we're in there. So bikes were just starting to get good then too. That was when dropper posts were starting to come online. Not 29 inch wheels yep. had become a thing, but weren't quite as good as they are now. If you, yeah. if you would have told me he built this in like, Oh, <laughs> two. No, no, it's, this was uh, fairly recent. And then it was about six months later. Uh, we had him come out and do, um, convert the, um, the the trail that called Oval Office, the one that Mike Ryder uh, flagged for us in 2000. Um, what I, I, was, I was telling you a while ago, uh, we we cut the corridor, but then we had that dingo and just about killed ourselves. And we're like, how are we going to do this? Because it's almost three miles. And so we worked for like two months and we had like 100 feet of trail. And so we kind of like looked at each other and like, what are we going to do? And so our, uh, one of the local activists, uh, Mike Poe, he said, well, why don't we see if we can't get the city to bring one of their dozer guys out here? And so we, we approached the city uh, street department and they had a pretty good dozer operator. But I mean, he brings a D3 dozer out there for a mountain bike trail and uh, on Mike Ryder's <laughs> flag line. And he built a road for us. So uh, and so we, we rocked on uh, till what, 2013 or 14 when, when they, 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 they the, the trail name was road to trail and uh randy spangler was the the guy we brought in to do it and he basically said instead of riding it counterclockwise why don't we do it clockwise and i'll make you a jump line so um that's that's what that's what that's what happened so it's it it feels totally different from most of the other trails at cold water because you know they're they're flow trails but they're still kind of narrow and uh oval office is not narrow at all it's it's wide enough to drive a dump truck down and um it's it's a pretty fun little jump line the the soil is is illy road and 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 it had a lot of rocks in the landings and so um i scooted that uh, excavator over there last fall just before the fat tire fest and i cleaned it up um and it was i took a video of of the bucket as I was, as I was just trying to dig uh, a landing area, and it was like one bucket after another, after another, after another of golf ball to football size rocks, and I just I would stack them over to the side, and I'd take a blade and just push them off, 
And uh, finally, the uh, the the line because I, I remember what it rode like when Randy uh, finished it. So I tried to replicate that, and I did have to go get some borrowed dirt. And so I came across several, uh, well, two rocks that were pretty much perfect as a kicker. And so um, he had put two or three of those on the on the lips of the jumps. And so I followed suit, but I made mine a little steeper. He he had his uh, at a little lower angle. So as you're riding Oval Office now, if you hit if you know they're coming, uh, because you can get up to about 20, 25 miles an hour on it. So if you if you want to fly through the air and you you know what you're doing, you preload launch and it's a, it's a good little it's a fun little jump line now. It a lot of people have stopped riding it because it was just so rocky. Uh, it's kind of exposed. It's on the east side, but a lot of fun now. So I'm happy about that. It's interesting to see the trail. I'm going to say road to trail conversions. Yeah, you know because that. I mean, that was a, that was. I mean, a lot of trails historically were logging roads, and so like literally some yeah. some stuff that was going on was to do just that to make something sustainable, and actually interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, look at Pisgah. I mean, Pisgah. How much of Pisgah is just degraded uh, road uh, of of whatever sort? It. Um, I think isn't uh, Black Mountain wasn't it a, a telegraph right of way line? I don't know what Black Mountain was. I know that's a little bit of a hot topic with the fact that it was rebuilt to what it is today. <laughs> but I think, and I yeah. and I'm not going to speak for anyone because that that definitely it's it especially recently has flared up with some trail rebuilding. We're going to say, yeah, on the social media forums or uh, sites, but. The reality. Well, I, of the I didn't know it was that controversial. Uh, uh, I didn't I either kinda... until recently. Um, but the reality is, the way I understood it was that it was like the U.S. Forest Service was like, "We rebuild this, or it gets shut down." Like those are your options. Yes. Yeah. And I, it was. Uh, I think it was the Pisgah podcast. They talked to Shrimper. Uh, they interviewed as him as he was out there building it, uh, or re, re, rebuilding it. Yeah. And I've he, written it. It's he's good. Probably I like the it. Perfect. He's he's probably the perfect person to to do that because you know he just said you know I don't want it to close this is one of my home trails you know I love this and you know he says he likes to build trails that look like a bunch of gnomes live there yeah <laughs> so I well can't he was working for a, single a track person. trails at the time and maybe he is again I don't know what he's doing but he was at the time when that that contract was through single track trails and. If you talk to Greg Mazu, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, he talks about his staff being uh, nomads and misfits. <laughs> you know, so that they, make the, they make the best trails. Think about it, though. Well, yeah. I mean, that's how all trails happen, right? It's just through the dark of night. Like, you show up, it's there. <laughs> Nobody maintains yeah, yeah. them. Nobody does anything with them. They just, they just magically appear. Yeah, there's trail pixies running around out there at Coldwater. That's crazy. <laughs> I think I'm looking at one right now as we record this, right? Well, uh, if I'm a trail fairy, it's uh, I'm, I'm probably the biggest one that, that, that uh, most people would say. That's 6'3", 250. I, but I see myself as, as a trail fairy. I, I, I leave little uh, things. I've, I've drug uh, benches to uh, congregating areas on cold water. And I, I actually have a metal swing at home, and I don't have anywhere to put it. Uh, it's, it's an extra one. 
and I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to mark it so that I can uh, disassemble it and reassemble it. I'm I'm terrible with that kind of stuff, but I'm going to put it at the rabbit hole. It'll be a, a metal uh, A-frame swing, so people can go up there and sit. And then um, I have a couple of uh, boxes of uh, that hold water. I painted them green and stenciled water on them because uh, we had. We have people that come there and they don't understand that that uh, to get to the top of the mountain at Coldwater, it's it's a uh, it's a five mile climb, and if you're uh, from your neck of the woods and um, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and you've taken a couple of wrong turns or you know you're you just don't realize uh, how long it's going to take you to get back to where you're going and uh, you're out of water and it's it's an Alabama summer and it's ninety two degrees and it's 85% humidity, um, y- you can be in trouble. Um, so those water boxes were actually, um, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I wanted to put them out there. I'd been eyeballing these two boxes in our recycle pile for a while. And um, I just grabbed them and saved them and, and cleaned them up and painted them. But I was in a meeting with the firefighters and he said, um, you know, we've, we've had a few calls because people are lost and they're de- they're dehydrated. So they're calling 911 for us to come get them. And I say, well, let me see if I can't figure something out. So this uh, is kind of trail ferry, um, but it's also uh, helping the firefighters so that they're not called to to bail somebody out. One of our locals actually was going to do his birthday in miles. He turned 46. He was about 35 miles into it, and, and it's an August birthday. And he's in very good shape, but uh, he was over his head. Uh, and I encountered him at the top of the mountain. and he. And he was, uh, I had, I had uh, electrolytes with me and water and it was not cold, but his eyes were literally crossed when he walked up to me and he's like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make this. And I'm like, I don't think you're going to make it either. <laughs> so you want me to, you want to load up in the UTV and me drive you off the mountain? Ah, uh, no, I think I'm just going to ride downhill. I said, well, sit down over here for a minute, you know, so you don't pass out. <laughs> yeah. Let's do a quick intro. We don't know who we're listening to. I know who we're listening to. Oh, okay. Well, uh, my name is Marcus Tillman. Uh, I'm the Recreation Trail Director for the City of Anniston. My primary duties are the the maintenance and um, expansion of the Coldwater Mountain Project that is right outside of town in downtown Anniston. You know, a typical day like today was, uh, was a chainsaw day. We had some, uh, we've had a series of storms coming through. So sounds like it's been a chainsaw week for you. It has been a chainsaw week. Yeah, that was tree number 10 of big trees. Now, there were lots of small trees, but uh, that was 10 trees that were probably 100 plus feet tall and several tons. You know, it's, but it's one of those days, man. But uh, I have the, uh, I have the dream job if, if, as long as you don't have to make any, a lot of money. <laughs> Well, I mean, you are working for the city, so hopefully there are some benefits that come with typical government jobs. I don't know what city government benefits are compared to the benefits that I once had through the DOT, but I can tell you that they, every government employee I've talked to has typically been there because of some of the other things that come with working there and definitely not the money. Right. So insurance and retirement is, is, is pretty good. Yes. I got a Those are the star. benefits I'm talking about and maybe vacation too. But every day might be a yeah. vacation for you, except for days like today. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, 
days like today are, I mean, they're necessary. Uh, and, and it's really, I think, you know, if you were to ask some of the locals, it's like, this is kind of what they, you know, they're glad to have me because uh, the same storms pass through Birmingham and they don't have a Marcus. And so it may be uh, weeks before they get everything cleared uh, at Oak Mountain and Tannehill. Yeah. One tornado. Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. And I, like we were talking before hit record at one point, I was, uh, kind of like you in terms of the person clearing the trees and I've, you know, since trained a handful of other people to do that as well. And so now other people are clearing trees, which is awesome, you know, to, to grow that volunteer base. Now it it was, I don't know, it's still kind of like this, but there's a couple of years, especially like COVID 2020, 2021, even pre COVID where there's two guys and and one of them, or they both listen to the show, but so they're going to know who they're talking about. But I swear, like you get a report of a tree through whatever media source it was, Strava, Trail Forks, you know, usually on a trail conditions page on Facebook, whatever. And like one of those two would see that or they'd both see it. And it was like a race. And I kept telling them, <laughs> I'm like, okay. you guys are like setting That's a standard cool. that won't be attainable by other people if you two don't continue to do this. Because I'm like, at le- like make... <laughs> Give give a twenty four hour window there, like so people don't grow to this expectation of like every tree <laughs> is gone before I even see it. Well, and you know, before I had the job, uh, I was the volunteer uh, director for the club, and which I'm still that because we have other trail systems that that I volunteer and work on. But um, I would uh, see the storm coming, and I would go sharpen them. My, my, I had a small chainsaw, a sixteen inch bar, and it fits in a backpack. I, I sent you that picture. Um, and I can't remember one of the guys from Georgia, there was a big group of them over here riding because that was that was probably on a Saturday or a Sunday, probably in the afternoon. But I would uh, I would have the chainsaw, you know, the tools for the saw, the oil, gas. And then I would hang my um, my uh, camel bag from the front because you know, the chainsaw took all the room up in the back. And so uh, that was uh, I, 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 I destroyed my drivetrain several times because uh, I was a little more fit back then. It's, you know, mid fifties, but, uh, I would come out and do any, anywhere from 15 to 25 miles, just kind of riding the, the trails, getting to the trees and cutting and removing those. Uh, but that was 300 pounds of man and machine riding around. Uh, on the so. machine. <laughs> on the bicycle. On the machine. Yeah, yeah, that's because I was complaining because I kept snapping the uh, Shimano uh, driver because uh, I, I was always a big Shimano guy. I kind of felt like, you know, they invented it. They, they're pretty good at it. And I've since, you know, adopted Tram. I, I like them too. But uh, I would snap the, the driver in half. It would just break the cassette. And I'm like, what the heck is going on with this? It's like, dude, this isn't designed for you like a horse out there riding you need the, uh, what, what is now like the e-bike spec of drivetrain. Absolutely. See, that's what I, I was like, you know, somebody's going to design something one of these days. Um, um, I've, I've heard that, um, SRAM has some, some new T shaped chain, chain, uh, that's, yeah, that's new transmission. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, and, and it's heavy. So I wonder if that's a, if that's a good thing, you know, uh, I like, I always liked heavy. But, uh, well, and, and Shimano has developed uh, drivetrain spe- dri- a drivetrain specific to e-bike stuff too, which is heavier. Let's get let's get off of yeah. the components and get back into Aniston. 
Yeah. Kind of let's, let's kind of lay the groundwork of what, you know, what the size of Aniston is. I think it's around 20,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. And like, but more importantly, what Coldwater Mountain and the ability to ride to ride has done for that community. Well, you know, Aniston, you're right, is about 20,000. 30, 40 years ago was about 40,000. So it, it's, it's experienced some, some shrinkage. But the, we have the Ladiga Trail, and I don't, the Ladiga and Silver Comet connect Atlanta to Aniston. And, and that's a paved, paved trail. But uh, it has not been completed yet into downtown. That's going to be over the next 18 months. So we expect a north-south corridor. That's what the Ladiga will be. Will create a whole lot more connectivity between Coldwater and the city of Aniston, the downtown area, and some of the venue, or well, I say venue, some of the restaurants, uh, brew pubs and stuff. And you, you'll also be able to just run real quick out to the McClellan Trails on the old Fort McClellan. Uh, the Trail Solutions uh, was hired like four years ago, and there's about 18 to 20 miles of trail out there now, with another seven to be slated to be built over the next 18 months, if I'm not mistaken. But um, having cold water right here. We expect, uh, and, and by the way, there's 42 miles currently at Coldwater, and another 40 to 50 are slated. Uh, Rich Edwards' last plan, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now, has had about 75 miles, but forever while I've continued to purchase land, so it's opened up some uh, avenues for us to make some connectivity. And um, some of the edge parcels that are out on the edge of it, uh, they've they're making a move to purchase those. So we'll be able to expand the trails through over that. And Rich didn't see that back then in 2014. But uh, the city, the city uh, leaders have seen this as, as a plus for quite some time. Of course, now a little over about six years ago is when we began to talk to them about creating my position. And it fell on good ears. Um, the city council was uh and we have a, a mayor and four city council people and they all voted for it it's a great thing to not have to depend on the volunteers and and it kind of shows that the city is kind of behind this none of those people mountain bike but they all see mountain bikes moving around in town now and so they really want to see the expansion and um i mean we have the cold water mountain brew pub and and um, and it's named after after the mountain but all of the restaurants they um they they have mountain bikes uh you know vehicles with mountain bikes and racks in front of them uh every weekend and a lot of times in the evenings uh during the week so you know that's uh you bring people into town to ride the trails and um then the city they they get it yeah and that's an that's an important thing you know i've i get the ask a lot about how to like sell this stuff to, to city leaders. And, and you can't like, I don't ever have a good answer because I know how to do it in my community, but every community is different. Like, so that's a very broad question Yep. and every community yep. and their leaders have a different agenda. Right. And so it's, you need to take different approaches when it comes to like, just talking about the benefits that trails can bring to a community. Well, um, we do have Jacksonville state, which is just up the road, uh, 15 miles North of Aniston. And they, their economic development um, department has done some some surveys and some and has generated some some well, information data, and and they have been able to kind of work a formula. It's way more sophisticated than I thought it should be, but I mean uh, that's that's what they do. 
but for every person that comes here, there is there is an approximate dollar amount. And so um, I, I kind of like real quick and easy for every person that drives here from out of the area, you know, on average, and they'll buy a tank of gas and, and eat lunch or dinner. You know, that's that's 100 bucks. That's easy. It could very easily be way more than that. Uh, and just to say they come and stay for three days, because I, I personally think it takes about three days to ride everything at Goldwater and feel feel good, feel like you've gotten everything down. But uh, uh, every person, you know, just figure a hundred bucks. And um, we have some trail counters up there, and you know, COVID kind of threw everything off. But uh, on an average month, we have anywhere from eight hundred in the slower months uh, on the trail counters to about two thousand, eighteen to eighteen hundred to two thousand. And during COVID, there was there were months where it was almost four thousand. Uh, you know, there was, you know, Florida was closed, and so uh, you could go out on a Tuesday afternoon, and it'd be forty cars in in the parking lot, and people parked on the side of the road, and and half of them were from Georgia, and half were from Florida. You know, our, our local uh, riders didn't have anywhere to park. <laughs> well, and you're talking just cold water, and McClellan is how far from cold water, or how far from downtown Aniston? Well, Coldwater would be technically on the southwest side, and uh, McClellan is on the northeast side, so kind of diagonal across the the town. So there are, as a, you know, seven miles. Um, is that's kind of the crow flies, you know, and that now there are two access points for McClellan. You wouldn't want to ride it uh, on a bike because it's a it's a it's a four way highway that goes through the mountain. It's it's the bypass off Highway 431. But you can go into the Lake Yahoo, uh, which was a recreation area that the Army built when it was Fort McClellan. And it has a, like a 10-acre lake there. And, um, it has a launching area for uh, rafts uh, or kayaks or something. And then there is a, um, a walking trail that's paved around that lake, uh, around Lake Yahoo, in a really nice parking area. The only thing is, if you ride from that side, you, you have... Um, you don't have any green trails to access the system. They're the the two the three ways to go are all blue and pretty hard climbs. I was out there riding last night. Um, so if you wanted to get the easy one, you park over by the soccer fields, which is on the other end, and um, and you can access it. That's that's where the NACA venue is set up, and that's a that's a lot easier uh, ingress egress. And uh, and, and we probably had. Last night, uh, probably 22 to 25 people uh, for a mid a midweek ride. Just kind of was thrown together. Uh, one one of the local guys has called it the spandex pin because uh, you know spandex and mountain biking is a lot of the new mountain bikers would not be caught dead wearing spandex, and uh, so we, it's a uh, it's kind of a tongue in cheek thing. So we we all had to wear spandex, or you get the side eye if you show up with your baggies. But it's they're not very far apart. So seven miles. And once the Ladiga is completed, uh, you won't have to travel on really any any high traffic road. Um, so you'll be able to just roll down off of cold water, uh, get on the trail, and you can just pedal the six or seven miles. It's all flat, and it's an old rail bed. And then uh, there's a there's a connector with a traffic control mechanism that they they just installed last year, in expectation of having this completed. And then you're on the McClellan property, which you know 
there is some traffic on McClellan, but they're not moving very fast. You know, it's a, I think it's a 25 mile an hour speed limit on everywhere on the, on the uh, old McClellan property. And from that access point, you're a eh, mile and a half from the trailhead. So it's um, pretty easy. Let's talk about the diversity of trails that you have between Coldwater and McClellan. McClellan, I mean, we've talked about Coldwater a little bit, so you've kind of painted the picture of it being like really rocky. McClellan's a little bit newer. Um, and uh, you, you've just said that it has a NICA venue. So a NICA, a NICA venue comes with parameters that aren't difficult. You know, so right, for, that, yeah. for people coming in town, like what does that do for people coming in town in terms of like having that diversity of easy and really hard? But also, like, what does it do for the community as a whole for having that diversity of an experience? You know, it's it's uh, it's great that you asked that because, you know, Coldwater was was our primary place to ride, and um, and 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 it does have a trail called Baby Bear, and it is a beginner trail, but the it, it is rocky. It's gonna, it's going to have a few rocks, not many, and then the other end of the mountain you have the tortoise. Uh, climb up to the Hare Trail. Tortoise is about two and a half mile climb, and then you have the Hare Trail, which is just under two miles. But even though they're they're green trails, um, if you don't if you don't tap your brakes on Hare, you could be going thirty miles an hour. It's a it's you know it is a green trail, but you know the expectation when you go to Coldwater has has been pretty much since it opened. Even when it opened, it was smoother. You know, it had been plate compacted and finished with a machine. You still had the gravity. You know, you still had the speed, and you weren't going to take your non-riding partner or family member that that didn't understand braking, shifting, and balance and pedal placement. That really wasn't a good place to take them. You know, um, th- there is an easier trail down in Talladega County around the Silicaga uh, Water Reservoir. It, it is a beginner type trail. But uh, when they opened McClellan and, and, you know, part of the parameters was to make it uh, NICA friendly, was that uh, uh, the McClellan trails are laid out with a, with a green uh, beginner kind of a mindset. Uh, you make it more difficult with speed, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's a beginner biker might have a, an average speed of four miles an hour, and, and, and we – our – group ride last night which we weren't killing ourselves but we were at nine uh, at about a little over nine miles an hour and and i think sometimes it's around 10 you know 10 miles an hour average on a uh, 15 mile mountain bike ride that's that's moving right on along i mean that that you know you can only go downhill above 10 miles an hour for so far so the climbs you got to be booking and anybody climbing at 10 miles an hour on anything is pretty fast so uh the mcclellan trails all the green stuff was built, and then they added a couple of blues, and those are those are a little more difficult. Still, you don't feel like you're fixing to die. And then the the newest stuff is a little more challenging. Uh, uh, the climbs are a little more challenging. The speed uh, on the descents. Um, so so it 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 it's about what you would expect. You go from a green to a blue. Currently, there are no blacks, but there are some blacks slated for the next um, construction. Um, I think. And I believe Preston at Flow Motion is going to have that too, and it'll be it'll be a couple of jump lines and maybe even gravity served where you could shuttle with like a four wheel drive vehicle. There's a there's an old army road that goes to the top where he's going to put these trails, and so that'll be that'll be pretty nice to have a 
it won't be like you know it's not going to be like a ski area descent but it'll be something fun you know but a lot easier what's the elevation at mcclellan again well you know i don't know the base uh the top is around 18 17 1800 feet and so the base is going to be somewhere around 1000 to 1200 so you're going to have the 800 the foot descent descent Yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. where I was so going with that is that that's a, that's a really healthy descent. Let's just say 600, you know, <laughs> we'll still say 600. Cause like once you, I mean, especially 600 is repeatable, right? Uh, it is. Yeah, it is. Especially yeah. if you don't have the shuttle. Feet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, Cause I'm trying to remember what snowshoe, I think snowshoe had 1200 feet from bottom to top. Yeah, yeah, I think that was. And to kind of bring people up to speed, we're, you know, so, so Marcus and I have talked quite a bit off the air. Um, and he, he used to have a place in Snowshoe and used to not live in Aniston. And so when, when Marcus brings up Snowshoe, he's talking Snowshoe, West Virginia, and he references that a lot. And so that's, yeah. that's where that reference comes from. Yeah. Well, that's where I cut my teeth. Uh, that's, I lived in the Tidewater area of Virginia and, and we had some trails, but very little climbing. I mean, that's, yeah, kind of a coastal area. So um, for to get ready for uh, to race the 24 hours of Canaan, my friend that lived across the street who got me in the mountain bike and he's like, let's go to Snowshoe and we can train there. And um, like, okay. And so, you know, this is the late 90s, 96. <laughs> you know, uh, I had um, about 60 millimeters of suspension, of stacked elastomer suspension and 26 inch wheels with rim brakes. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, that's baptism by fire. You know, so we're going to ride up this and then we're going to come down this. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, well, okay. Uh, I didn't really need, uh, I haven't broken a bone in a long time. So let me take off. <laughs> let's talk about, uh, since we're, we're still going to keep this in the Southeast, let's talk about the connection to Sorba. You know, so you have the Northeast okay. Alabama Bicycle Association, and then you also, which is part of Sorba, I believe. Yep. And yep. then we had Philip Darden, who is the executive director of Sorba. He was on a previous episode not too long ago. And yep. at the end of that episode, he talked about how the fall summit for Sorba is actually going to be in Anniston. It, it is. Um, you know, we, the, the bike club has a headquarters, um, and, and I'm, this is not some little clubhouse that that's a, a shed. This is a seventy five hundred square foot uh, building. It's uh, was originally built, I think, around the turn of the century, maybe nineteen oh five. It's been several different things, uh, but a couple here in town they are very active. And uh, Tom and Brooke Nelson thought, you know, we need a place to congregate and kind of let the city see the buy-in by mountain bike the mountain bike club and and, and riders uh, it's not just we're not really a mountain bike club we're a bicycle club so um, this was hall building supply up until about 20 and maybe it had been closed up almost 10 years and so uh, it had a leaky roof uh, and no heating and air and it was owned by a local uh, senator uh, Dale Marsh who said, you know, hey, I'll help you out. I'll fix the roof and you guys take care of, of the inside of the building. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a row of buildings um, that, you know, like you would in the 1900s that um, they're all kind of connected together. 
So, I mean, Tom and Brooke raised the money and it's probably $400,000. And we had a lot of things donated. Uh, Heating and air, um, the labor was donated. A local guy um, that his his kids have all raced on the on the NICA and uh, ACA teams. So the heating and air was put in, and I think Tom did a lot of the uh, electrical work. But it kind of shows the city and the county and the and, and the visitors. Hey, man, this this place is is rocking. It's just got something going on because it's a very impressive building. Hopefully, you'll be able to come down here. But anyway, that's a good place for the Sorbo meeting to take place. And uh, we have it in conjunction with our Coldwater Mountain Fat Tire Fest. And it's and then we always try to have it on the third um, weekend of October. So that's that's what we're going to do this year. I, it was a couple of years ago. I think we had it. Uh, we had the EMBA. We had an EMBA summit here. That was before we had the headquarters. But um, for Sorbo to come here, it's really big. Uh, that that's what is it? Forty-seven chapters? I can't remember. Yeah, it's something. It's 40s. something big like that. It's, it's in the high forties. Seven so states. That, we'll that say that. Seven states. So the people from the seven states will all descend on on our little town of, of Aniston, and I mean that's that's a big thing for us. I mean, you know, that's two bus loads, and these are people who are the movers and shakers in their community of mountain biking. And so we get to kind of showcase uh, what all we've got here. Um, this, the city of Aniston helps us out. Uh, we have Zen Park is the downtown park because uh, we don't really have a parking venue big enough to have the whole festival on the mountain. So we take kind of take over this, the, the largest city park in, in town. Uh, we allow you to camp there. Um, we have we run some uh, some plugs there. There is a there's a building. Uh, my wife and I will cook breakfast on uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. Uh, that was uh, that was the first time I did it last year, and and that was a that was a big hit. So uh, we 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 have good eggs and grits, and we have sausage and and biscuits and orange juice and coffee. I mean, so we kind of lay it out there for you. But anyway, Sorba coming here is is a big thing, and we want to showcase our town. And our headquarters and and our mountain bike trails. Let's uh, let's let's move into the Northeast Alabama Bicycle Association. You know, so we're we're talking about that, and you, as you pointed out, and we've talked about prior to this, that it is the Bicycle Association Association, not a specific mountain bike association. And so, let's kind of first talk about the leadership and the makeup of the club. I don't I don't know this answer, and you'll tell me if it's what the answer is, but is there paid staff or is it 100% volunteer based? And like, just kind of what the numbers are in terms of like the people that are involved, both from a volunteer perspective and maybe a board and organization perspective. Okay. Well, uh, currently there is no paid position for Nevo, but if we not only are a sorbent chapter with mountain biking, but we focus on gravel riding. That seems to be a really kind of a growing area. We do put on a, uh, a bike, a gravel race. But road cycling has 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 been pretty popular here for quite a while, and we 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 get to kind of cheat because we have Ladiga, and so we can kind of take a person that's not really riding and put them on a road bike and say, you know, go hit the Ladiga Trail. I mean, it's 36 miles of paved path that there's with no traffic and no hills, so uh, you you can kind of break somebody somebody in on that. So so 
Road cycling has um, has been our big money maker because we've put on the Chiha Challenge and it's the, now the Grand Fondo and Ultra. So uh, its budget uh, last year in 20, well, we just finished up in May, uh, was $160,000. So we, we do have a paid director that puts that on. Uh, but they're not like a board member. They're, it's it, it's kind of we bring a promoter. It's kind of like a promoter, and so I can't remember what they make. It's it's not a you lot. You don't have of money. to go into what they make, but that does illustrate that there's okay. somebody getting paid for something for that. And I think that other clubs right. can part can take that knowledge. Right, right. So um, you know, they they don't particularly have to raise all the money. Uh, uh, our our board direct board members. Uh, are active in the community and we go get sponsors and and they give us the money so it, it you know, technically uh, registration fees if you subtract the expenses of the of the ride technically it doesn't make money but when you put all of the sponsorship money with that then it, then it does make money and it funds our um, uh, other events it funds the fat tire fest and it and it helps fund uh the utilities for the headquarters and and it we give scholarships to all the uh the uh nica aca uh race teams uh, for uh, their volunteer work we give them i think five hundred dollars per team and uh and and of course the trail work uh, they've bought us some tools they've bought us an alaskan meal so uh, the the challenge yes it is a road road cycling event but it funds a whole bunch of other things. I want to ask you a question specifically to the road cycling event, because I know okay. one person that listens to this who's a friend of mine is going to ask you this, okay. or would ask me this question and be ask me why I didn't ask this question. But is it a USA Cycling <laughs> sanctioned road race? It is a UCI sanctioned sanctioned race because it, it, it is the uh, the North American qualifier for the UCI Grand Fondo. Um, I think they've had it in Poland, and it was somewhere in Europe this this past year, and I think it's going to be in Spain. So, you know, they had another qualifier in Utah, and that would they stopped that. So, ours is a little bit uh, different. Um, uh, you would not think that Northeast Alabama would have these kind of hills, but it is a treacherous ride. The big request this past year, I we just talked about it at the board meeting the other night, Wednesday is that the 55 and older riders want to shorten the course. So we have a series of rest stops because the ride is now back. So they don't want to go to the last rest stop. They want to stop at the Chiha State Park and turn around and come back. So what that that, that is an 80, 86 miles. And um, so the, the full challenge, Chiha Challenge route is 102 with about 9,000 feet of climbing. And since, you know, we don't have to plan for snow removal in, in, in Alabama, they just, uh, on that ridge line, uh, you've got grades of you know, 12%. So um, uh, what's, what's, what's uh, the, on the road bike, I'm climbing up those, those steep climbs myself on my road bike at, at three and four miles an hour. But then when I come down that on the, on the, on the back inbound, I'm, I'm running. 50 to 60 miles an hour. That's really fast on a bicycle, by the way. It is. It's uncomfortable. I asked the USA cycling question because there's some parallels that are, I'm going to say I'm going to draw between the community that I live in and of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and 
your community and the and the way the organization is set up. And we so we have a we have a trail organization here in La Crosse, and it's it's not specific to to bikes. It's all trails. It is specific okay, cool. to human powered, so non motorized trails. But it also runs a road race, and that road race. I, I don't I don't know what the I haven't been to board meetings lately, but historically that road race actually has been the moneymaker for that trail club or it's been a moneymaker and it's, it's not, we call it an omnium. So it's a three day stage race. It's a, it's a time trial. That's a hill climb, 2.5 mile hill climb. So you, the good thing about that is you don't need a time trial specific piece of equipment to do that. In fact, if you do use a time trial piece of specific piece of equipment, you're not going to be at an advantage. Disadvantage. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's a road race the next day. That's on a Friday night. The next day is Saturday. There's a road race, which is a twenty some mile circuit. You know, depending on the category you're in, it could be a, a, one, a one lap, two lap, up to a five lap affair. And then the next day yeah. is a is a criterium in right in downtown Lacrosse, right on the Mississippi River. You know what I mean? And so uh, it's it's similar that funding really cool. for that for our trail, and that's why I'm asking these questions because I know the guy that is the, we'll say the promoter for that. He, okay. He's going to hear this and he's gonna be like, is it, is it USA section sanctioned cycling race? And he might know the race that you have down there. I do follow road racing, but I don't follow all road races. So this is a new right, one for right. me, okay. but it's awesome to hear that. It's also grand fondo and that you also do gravel on top of that, because I think you're seeing a lot more communities really lean into gravel promoters, lean, lean into gravel where gravel is available. And, and that is a, a good yes. thing. Let's go back to let's go back to the Northeast Alabama Bicycle Association. Okay. On average, what do you guys have for uh number of board members, but also just like number of volunteers? You know, and they could be volunteers well, for trail work, they could be volunteering because you know that a road race does require a lot of volunteers. It does. It does. Uh, and we're always needing more. So um we have membership at NEBA is a little over a hundred, uh kind of kind of floats around there. So when you have a community our size, you're not going to have 10,000 people in a, in a crew, but it could be as much as 120, 130, 140. Uh, it may drop to 80 or 90. And, and all of those people are not that active as, as any other organization. Uh, we do have a fairly high percentage though. So, uh, somebody was, as was, uh, making the comment just yesterday that, uh, hey, we, we don't really have enough volunteers. We only have five or six. I'm like, well, you know, that's probably the five or six you see at the things that you show up for. I said, but uh, I, I wrote down all the people who actually helped me on the trails on, and not just at Coldwater, but all the local trails that, that I kind of feel like I, I work on. And I had over 20 people. And some of those people, they get off work and they spend uh, 30 minutes um, uh, out there, you know, moving rocks and sticks. They they go, they show up for maybe three two or three organized trail work days per year, but they'll spend their own private time going out and, and, and helping clear the trail of debris. And that's, uh, that's what I tell them. I said, I need an army of people that'll just, if, if each one of you guys, as you ride by, if you'll just kick a few rocks. I said, that's a hundred rocks that I don't have to deal with. If you pick up a stick, you know, we had these hard winds blow and, you know, you've got the, those, those derailer, those derailer killers, you know, they're, they're a foot and a half long and they're kind of got a hook kind of curve to them. And, you know, the front tire hits them and it gets, starts them rocking around and then it just sticks just perfectly right in your derailleur as you're hammering down and it destroys the derailleur. <laughs> but anyway, our volunteers, 
I would say that we have a solid core of 20 to 30 uh, volunteers that, that help out with the road, road events, the gravel events, and the mountain bike events, and the trail work. So if you say, just say we have 100 and we have 25 to 30 people, that's a pretty high percentage of people that are active. Um, and they're not all board members. Uh, we have, uh, of course, you know, president, uh, treasurer, secretary, you know, we have five, five board members. And then, uh, Tom came up with the idea. We have an at large group, people that don't necessarily probably come to every, every board meeting, but we want, uh, input from, say, their, their area of the community. And, uh, we have some outlying areas and, and they come to, uh, you know, three or four meetings per year. We have, one one a month, so it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good percentage of the of the overall population. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the things that won Gail and I over uh, when we moved here. We were familiar with Aniston, but we had not been here in a number of years. Is that as we got involved uh, and, and our kids were were going to school and well going to daycare and we'd go to church and we'd go to schools. What we were surprised with is the community activism in Aniston. It, it, it's not uncommon to see you know, your neighbor involved in um, uh, the Woodstock race, uh, the Chiha the Challenge, helping out at the Y, helping out at the, at, the, at, the, at the homeless shelter, helping out at the food kitchen. I mean, you know, uh, mowing their neighbor's grass. It's, it's a really good place to live. It's, um, and, and we had an opportunity to leave uh, when the co- corporation I worked for left or closed. I could have left and we didn't want to. So we, you know, I, I've reinvented myself several times after 35 years old. <laughs> One of the things that you had uh, brought up and we, we, we talked about this before, but I want to bring it up again right here is the importance of the Forever Wild program in Alabama and what that is. Okay, well, you know, it's funny you mention that because um, I was at the gas station and Doug G was the senator who spearheaded the effort to create the Forever Wild program. So Alabama's not known for its cutting edge conservation and, you know, uh, it, and its, its politics is probably <laughs> a little extreme. But Doug realized that we just didn't have a lot of, 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 um, I won't say government-owned, but non-private land for recreation use. You have a lot of private land, but not non-private, not government. So he uh, initially said, let's try maybe doing adding a tax. And that got shot down pretty quick. So uh, most people don't realize that Alabama has two counties that actually touch the Gulf. Uh, There's gas and oil deposits out there uh, plenty. And so he said, well, why don't we use the royalties, uh, interest on the royalties from this gas and oil that they pay the, you know, the state for, for pulling the oil and the gas out of the ground. And why don't we use that to uh, form this Forever Wild program? And we will manage it through our state lands, that's the Department of Conservation um, sub, subgroup. And we will purchase parcels of property around the state um, that are either in danger of, of, of over commercialization or uh, are just uh, have unique um, aspects. There's a, there's a couple of uh, plots of land that have unique uh, rock formations and water formations and waterfalls that were on private land and, and they weren't going to be protected. 
and anything could have happened to them, and it would be a shame for them to be developed. And cold water was one of those parcels of land that they wanted to protect. There is a paving company um, that that uses um, the south side of the mountain as a as a borrow pit. They they pull um, dirt and chert rocks, and they use it as a sub base for uh, paving highways. And we didn't want to see that happen. And then um, Coldwater has a lot of springs that feed into the Chocolaca Creek, which goes into the Coosa River and goes into the Alabama and flows down into the Gulf. So we wanted to protect this uh, watershed. So that's how Doug G. built the, the Coldwater specifically. It is the Doug G. Nature Preserve, and it's a watershed protection program for the Chocolaca Creek. So you wouldn't think that that Alabama citizens, we voted on it multiple times now, it would fund or, you know, want to do more government. You know, they we're not known for that. So um, it's pretty unique that we've been able to pull this off at the voting levers uh, multiple times. So it, obviously the the people like it, you know, and so they, they keep voting for it. Also, when they purchase a parcel of property, they set aside 15 percent to maintain the property and do any administrative uh, work for it. So it's a really good program. And I'm really glad you just pointed that last part out that you, they, they had the foresight to include some level of maintenance. Yes. You know, cause that's, as you, as you know. Yeah. That and doesn't get thought no about. Trail fairies. <laughs> it doesn't. And, and, and it's funny. I mean, it's, the Forever Wild program went, and it's so funny because so many people do come from out of town to come ride at Coldwater. So it's it's almost like the locals kind of migrated towards McClellan because you know you can kind of get off work and you know you can go to McClellan and with a water bottle and a phone and you're kind of okay, you know. Uh, so a lot of locals migrate to McClellan, and a lot of our visitors uh, from Georgia and Florida and Tennessee, North Carolina. Michigan, Montana, California. Uh, I see people from, you know, there's car tags from all states. Uh, but uh, they they wander over to, to Coldwater. And one of the things when I talk to them, because I don't meet any strangers, is um, they're, they're shocked at how clean everything is, how nice the people are, and how epic the trails are. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Yeah. That actually is a good segue into what I ask everybody. And okay. it's funny because just this week, somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, like, have you ever, have you ever got an Excel spreadsheet going for this, for this next question to track all your answers? And I'm like, no, I haven't done an Excel. <laughs> First of all, I don't have the time. Second of all, I don't know how to quantify the actual story and emotion that goes into the answers to these questions, this question. So, so it'd be a tough thing to track, but I do like asking the question anyways. And that okay. is, what do you look for? in a mountain bike or trail community, especially, and I, and I ask that I usually uh, qualify this with the qualifier is say you had to move for whatever reason, and you could go anywhere, but you couldn't stay where you are. What were, what would the things be looking, what would the things be that you would look for that would get you to move there for that community in terms of trails and, and, and mountain biking? That's always, that's a tough one. I, I, I've heard you ask, uh, Several of your uh, of your interviews. This um, I tell you, I'll point out a couple more things about Aniston. You know, we are a bronze level ride center. I don't know if 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 we brought that up. We're an we haven't brought that bronze up level. 
Yes. Uh, uh, Tom and I filled out all of the documentation and, and I, I, I never knew how much that that took. Our goal is to be a gold. We need more amenities and we need more mileage trail. And um, and we're we're working diligently on that. We also have the Noble Street Festival, which the city actually funds that. The Sunny King, if you're your road cycling buddy, I'm sure he's familiar with the Sunny King Criterium. I mean, we have uh, the highest level uh, road racers and Criterium racers uh, in the uh, in the in the world come come to race this. So that's another thing that the city kind of buys into, and it's a pretty big expense. Uh, Marilyn Hill is an ex pro women's racer, and she puts it on, and she does a fantastic job. So um, you know we have. Other things, you know, other than just the mountain bike trails and other than the Chiha Challenge, we have the city that actually buys into this. I mean, it's a pretty big expense. Uh, I don't know the budget. Dollars are, you know, they're not, um, they're, they're not everything, but they're, they're, it, it's not cheap. So I tell you, I, I have been to Crested Butte and ridden and ridden in Colorado. Uh, I've been to Hawaii and ridden in Hawaii. I've been all over the Mid-Atlantic. Um, I've not ridden up in Vermont and I have not ridden in your area, your neck of the woods. I tell you what, though, at 30, cold weather didn't bother me at all. And at 50, it started bugging me. And I just turned 59 Monday. I don't want to live up there. (laughs) So, I mean, and I know that it has a wonderful cycling community, but cold weather would have to be one of those things that I would be like, eh, because I mean, even right now, if it's 45 degrees and, and there's just a mist, I'm like, nah, I'll sit in here and watch Star Wars, the cartoons <laughs> repeat. So let me see. Chattanooga is pretty doggone nice. And everything that I've heard about Knoxville, uh, I did go ride in Knoxville. Uh, I hit the Baker Creek area and all of those connectors. You were just talking to the guy who did a lot of the design work up there. Oh well, I just re I just re aired the Brian Hahn episode. Brian Hahn. So right. we yeah, that was recorded. But when I was in, actually, it was recorded in his office. That was an in person recording back in October of 2021. So those two communities, because if I go west of me, I've got Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Mississippi, Louisiana Tech, and I you know I don't know much about those areas, but I can tell you if you're asking for a specific area, I would I would have to say Chattanooga. Would be the place I could, I could, I would go to. Um, they've really got a great vibe there. My wife and I go, we take our boat, we drive the boat, our boat up the Tennessee River and we dock and we get the e-bikes and scooters and we go to all the breweries and we go to all the restaurants. And she's not a cyclist, but I could easily just, uh, strap the bike to the boat and ride right from our, where we're staying to, uh, I, I, couldn't really ride to Raccoon Mountain. That's a long way. But I could ride to Cloudland um, and, and, or I could get on a bus. Uh, they have a pretty good um, uh, public transportation there. And I could go to Enterprise South, uh, to the Bauxite Trails. Uh, and now they have a new one. I, have, I don't even know if it's open. Yeah, Walden, Walden, Walden Ridge. Ridge. I don't know if it's officially open, but it's been. It's, I think it's supposed to officially open here in the next month or two of us releasing this episode, but it's been talked about on this podcast at least three times through Steve yeah. Kasachek and Mike Repiak and, and maybe even Rich Edwards. We've talked about it a handful of times. 
But I mean, you just think that's a that's a great place. Um, I, I choose to live here. I could live in Chattanooga, uh, but I, I choose to live here. So even though I can't, you, I, this can't be the place. It, it's tough to beat this if you're a mountain biker or a road cyclist or if you're a gravel rider. Because we didn't really touch on the Talladega National Forest. There's literally hundreds of miles of gravel, uh, chert road there. So within within from my house, I live on the east side of town. Um, I could get on my bicycle and in about 20 minutes, I could be in the Talladega National Forest uh, and no cars and none. It's a great place to live here. So I can't I can't say Aniston. So I'll say Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny you brought up the cold weather because, you know, so we've, we both, we both ski. Um, I live in Wisconsin, yeah. so I can ski a lot easier, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, every year that goes by and every time I got to take snow off my car, uh-huh. I could very easily move to a community at this point in my life. And if I never skied or snowboarded again, it wouldn't be the end of me. And it's, it, it, it'd be an activity that I could I guess, travel to do if I really wanted to. And I know that hurts. That hurts. Doesn't it? have to admit that it's true though, you know, and it's, <laughs> and I've even in the last year, especially since Australia has really got on my radar, like, how do you, how do you figure out a way to make Ooh. the endless summer of like living up here in the Northern, you know, in the Northern hemisphere for our you know, uh, like summer. And I then think a in, lottery, yeah. I think a lottery win would be involved in that equation. You know, but then going to Australia, specifically like Tasmania or even uh, New Zealand, you know, where you can, where you can hit their, uh, their summer and our summer and just yeah. make the endless summer. Make the endless summer. Heck yeah, man. I, I, you know, I didn't even think about, you know, a different oh, edge of the uh, planet. You know, I suppose um, my wife likes Hawaii, but um, it gets kind of small quick, you know. Another thing that I, I didn't mention, I have road ridden quite a bit to train for mountain biking. So at, when I turned 50, it was our 20th wedding anniversary, and Gail wanted to go to Hawaii. So we loaded the kids up and did a nonstop flight from Atlanta to Oahu. And one of the, I said, all right, we can go, but I want to do this ride. I've seen these people do this. And it was, uh, you know, you can pay in Maui, you can pay them to, you get up at like three o'clock in the morning. And they put you on a bus and they load the bikes up and they drive it to the top of Haleakala. And you watch the sun come up and I think they give you a little breakfast. You have some biscuits and stuff like that. And then you you have basically these like uh, townies with hydraulic brakes and you coast down off of Haleakala. And I said, I want to climb that. And I still remember a couple of my friends were like, so you're going to go on vacation and you're going to do that kind of crazy crap? And I said, well, you know, I, I think it's not too, too bad. So I rented and, and, and Lahaina is, uh, you know, it just broke my heart to see all this damage over in Lahaina because that's where we stay. We stayed at the Kanapali Resort. And I'm sure that this place that I rented the bike, it burned. I mean, almost all this stuff is, is now ashes. So I rented the bike and the guy's like, you know, it's really hot here in Hawaii. Are you sure you're going to be prepared for this? I was like, dude. I'm from Alabama. They don't write about the heat in Hawaii. They write about rainbows and showers, you know, and surfing. I said, it's hot here. He's like, but you don't understand. You're going to be closer to the sun. I said, I, I, I got it. He was he was not wrong. Um, I rented a, a specialized Roubaix and um, Strava was just kind of coming online. This is 
uh, nine years ago. And so I, I knew the route. And so I knew I had to have cold weather clothing in my camelback. And I, and I bought a camelback. I had stopped using them a couple of years ago. And I had extra electrolytes and I had switched uh, from hammer fist to noon. And um, I climbed 10,300 feet in 35 miles. And uh, of course, it's self-supported. So you only had three places to get water. So uh, it took me um, eight hours, elapsed time, six hours and 45 minutes of pedal time. <laughs> and I get to the uh, I got to about 8,000 feet and I had not planned for running out of air, running out of oxygen. So I started at um, at sea level, of course, and then at about 8,000 feet, I, I was I got dizzy. So I said, well, I'm just going to slow my breathing down and I'm going to breathe real slow. And if I pass out, somebody's going to pick me up and haul me off this mountain because I am not quitting because 18 guys left ahead of me. And they all turned around. They all said, this is too hard. I can't do this. So uh, I said, I'm going to make it. So that's that's one of my claims to fame is that uh, Brian Toon has done Ram and he's like done all of these crazy long rides. And I still have him beat for the longest single climb on my Strava. It's 10,300 feet in one climb. <laughs> and what you've described there inadvertently parlays us into the into what i always close with and what i'm going to say with that is you probably i think you may have married the perfect wife because every time when i was married and i'd been like trips would be brought up like my my brain would automatically go to okay how do i fit riding in with this where can i ride with this how do i how do i do that yep because like if we're gonna if we're gonna gonna take time to do this there's got to be some aspect of recreation and riding in the mix yeah I, I dude, I, I, uh, Gail is my rock. Uh, she is the best thing that ever happened to me. And so I took the only car. I took our rental car because I had to drive from the resort to the base of the mountain. And I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to be gone. But, you know, uh, they sat at the resort. Uh, they had a good time. I mean, you're, you're, like you are in Hawaii, suffering. right? Yeah, they are in Hawaii. And she's doing exactly what she wanted to do. She's out on the beach watching the surf. Kids are in the pool kind of running around, you know, there's two boys. So they, they were entertaining themselves. So um, the, the, the ride down was, was fantastic. Um, Cause you know, uh, being a mountain biker and a road cyclist and being used to descending these high speed down Chiha, you know, I was probably running 50, 55 and I was passing the buses and passing the cars. And since it was in the afternoon in Hawaii, guess what I ran into rain. And let me tell you, uh, that's that was probably some of the most painful because uh, rain drops I've ever had. Because you went from you were hot all day long, and then this cold these cold pellets were hitting you at forty five miles an hour. So I did have to slow slow down on the descent because I was really looking forward to just flying all the way down, and and I couldn't I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marcus, I think that's the perfect way to wrap this one up. All right, man. We well, missed. Do we miss anything? Uh, I think we great. covered everything. I think so. I mean, there's there's a couple of things, some of the people I wanted to thank. Throw them out there. So, um, you know, the guy who got me into riding, his name is Bill Williams. And then um, one of the guys who really got me involved in using this position as not just a, a, limb, a limb remover in rock is Preston York. Tom Nelson, 
as a uh, president. He was one of the spearheads to contact the city and and get uh, kind of the way paved, you know, for the people to vote. I would say Mr. Folks, Stephen Folks, and uh, Kent Davis were uh, the head of Parks and Rec and the city manager at the time. And um, and uh, Mike Poe, who has done so many great great things. Uh, of course, uh, Tom and Brooke Nelson. I, I think I threw Tom out there. I got to remember Brooke. And of course, Doug G. I uh, brought his name up. He was the, he was a freshman senator in the mid '90s when this started, and he pretty much spearheaded the Forever Wild program, which pretty much leads us to where we are. And then, got to say, my wife Gail, she's uh, she's she's right there with me on all of the crazy adventures that that I want to pull off. <laughs> That's awesome, Marcus. Well, it's Friday afternoon. It is Friday afternoon. We're in the same, this is, this is one of the rare opportunities where I actually get to be in the same time zone. I, it's the biggest coordination I had from time zone differences is when I interviewed Glenn Jacobs and I've told, I don't know if I've told this story on the air, um, but when I coordinated with Glenn Jacobs, who is, he is an iconic trail builder, worked for the UCI, you know, has just has done amazing things in Australia and all over the world. But when I scheduled with him, thankfully I put it on the calendar for both of us. I don't always do uh-huh. that. And I I'd, I'd had to do some research prior. I wanted to button up my research prior to interviewing him right before. So it was fresh in my brain. So <laughs> it was scheduled for noon, his time, which is a day ahead of me. And it would have been, it would have been nine o'clock my time the night before. Cause he's in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I put Whoa. my, I put my kids to bed eight 45 <laughs> at night. And all of a sudden I get this like alert on my phone. Your interview is in 15 minutes. Ooh. Like, oh shit. I didn't even finish the research <laughs> on this one. <laughs> well, yeah. The other side of the planet, that pretty much throws everything off. That, yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going to fire up zoom and just roll with it. <laughs> Heck yeah. Thankfully, Glenn well, loves uh, to talk and he's a really good storyteller. And I had listened to, I'd just gotten back from the conference I was at in Reno um, and listened to a couple of podcast interviews that he had actually done before. And so I had some stuff from that fresh in my brain so I could play off that. And, and the interview turned out really good. It's actually the number one list downloaded interview for this podcast period at this point. So it's got a lot of air play. So that's, that's really good too. But yeah, the time zone thing is, a, is an interesting thing. I think I listened to that one because um, he, he doesn't have an accent, right? He, he, oh, Glenn he, has an accent. He's got okay, an Australian so accent. That's, that's the, he's the one that's built a lot of the uh, UCI race courses. Correct? Yeah, he started out as UCI trail builder back in the nineties, and then he's part of yeah. is he started his company called World Trail, and then he yeah. built out Blue Derby, which is a really popular one in Tasmania. He's done Ooh, a bunch of other stuff okay. too, and then he's also uh, working on a, a project that is slightly from what I've been told, quite a bit larger than Blue Derby in Norway right now. In Norway? Yep. And it's got skiing involved in it too. The way he explained it was that they're actually building all the trails first and the skiing stuff is going to be, and the Alpine stuff is going to be fit in where the trails aren't fit in, which is opposite of how we've always known it, right? You're typically trying to fit trails in around the resort that's already there. Absolutely. Well, you know, because he said something that was I thought was pretty uh, good, and, and I know you're—I don't know if we're re- recording or not—but uh, he said uh, that he doesn't even think about non-directional trails. You yeah, know, all of his trails are, will be directional. You'll either be climbing or descending, 
there are no two ways unless it's like a connector or like a lollipop where you go in and out to a parking area. And I brought that up to uh, to Preston because uh, they're having a big issue down in Dothan where he built uh, on a forever wild lot down there. And it's really close to town and it's only about 11 or 12 miles of trail and it goes over a marsh. So they had a bridge and it was so busy. They had to build a second bridge and they're two direction. And they're, ha- they're having a lot of trail conflict because it's just so busy. So you'll have, uh, you know, mountain bikers uh, out there running around pretty fast. And you'll have moms with strollers and you'll have joggers and you'll have walkers and you'll have, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so close in the town and Dothan's not a tiny town. I mean, it's, a, you know, 200,000 people or so. I mean, it's a, so it's a pretty big town and it's in the southeast corner of the state. So it's uh, Fort Rucker is probably the, the better known thing. But I thought that was really peculiar or, or interesting, not peculiar, interesting that he said he doesn't even consider non-directional trails because cold water is almost all directional with just with the exception of a couple um, uh, the trail called Chilliwe is uh, is six miles long and it basically connects uh, bomb dog to the other to the Oval Office trail and um, you know you can tell that it's it's dual direction because uh, there are no berms there are no rollers no jumps uh, it is rocky and it's challenging um, in, in either direction uh, climbing is um, is a little more challenging but Preston was like, well, they had to have they have such a small amount of space in at the Forever Wild land in Dothan that he felt like two two direction was the best way to go. And I'm like, well, you know, this guy, Ron, he says that's a bad idea. Glenn, <laughs> yeah, Glenn. Glenn, Glenn. Well, I'm not going to uh, jump on my directional soapbox because I've jumped on that a bunch and we could go for another hour on that. But I oh, will tell yeah. you. The look on his face, and people don't get to see the look on people's faces because I only release audio, but he definitely was like, he was, he gave me like a, a puzzled look like, what, doesn't everybody just do directional trails? <laughs> so I had to kind of qualify nope. the question. Like, he, yeah. he, like it kinda, I kind of felt dumb for asking the question because he just made it sound like that it's obvious. Like, why wouldn't you do directional? And yeah, I will say... Yeah. I've, I've, I've had, and I'm going to say it's an argument because it has been an, a legit argument between myself and the leadership here where I live for the benefits of, of directional trails. And the, the things I hang my hat on for benefits are one is wayfinding. When you get people here from out of town or anywhere from out of town for that matter, and it's a directional mm-hmm. trail, they're not stopping at every intersection, wondering if they're going the right way. They didn't get on a trail going the wrong way thinking, oh man, this would be so much better if, it actually, if I was riding it the other way. So you have that. Two is... Mm-hmm. I use the golf analogy and that is when you're out golfing, you know, if there's a group of golfers that are going faster than another group of golfers, they can play through, but they're going the same direction. Could you, could you imagine if golf was like the other where you could like golf at each other? I know. <laughs> no, it's crazy. And then three, you just have what you brought up, which is you can put so many more people in a trail system a trail system yeah. just has a much higher capacity. And the, and the example I use for that is at Cuyuna up in Northern Minnesota, they yep. built Cuyuna the first 25 miles were, were bi-directional. And then they quickly realized that they had to, that they needed to double the length of it because they ran into issues that you just described. And so yep. they had to like kind of reimagine and rebuild some of the stuff that was bi-directional to make it work better directional, but they essentially mm-hmm. doubled the length of their trails so they could be directional. And I've had the executive, I've had people in leadership positions that were behind that 
trail system getting built in Minnesota. And one of them, Aaron Hatala, who is a big key player in that area was, he goes, you can show up in our parking lots and they'll be overflowing. Yes. And you go out and ride the trails and it's, there's times where you might not see anybody because everybody's going yeah. the same direction. So you, yes. while it's, it, it'll feel remote and riding you, when you roll into the parking lot, you might think this is gonna be a horrible day because I'm going to have to deal with all these people. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's one of the issues with Oak Mountain uh, is that, you know, it was really built in the eighties, kind of a late eighties, early nineties before any of this, we, we kind of knew what we were doing. And you're, you feel like, I mean, the parking lot's going to be full, but it's like uh, driving out on, on, on Fifth Avenue in New York. You know, you're just, you're, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It's constant because it really has some single track. Now that, now some of their new stuff is all directional. So, and at Coldwater, most of it's directional. And once you get, you, you've been pedaling for five minutes, you may not see uh, anybody other than at the hubs and intersections, even on a, on a really busy day. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, that's, you nailed it, man. Well, yeah, Marcus, man, they just, crazy. we also, re- we recorded some bonus content here on directional trails. I think so. I think so. You know, Rich Edwards was is probably one of the other people that I would have to thank uh, with, without him. Uh, and I have a backstory, and I, I know, you know, maybe you can work this in. You may not. Maybe this is just for your entertainment. You know, Rich is he's a pretty private guy. You know, he's he's uh, he's really cool and, and he's out there and he's around people all the time. But but, you know, I think I think and I, this is just my opinion. I think he kind of likes his his space. And so. Um, when he first came to town to start designing um, Coldwater, I met him at uh, the Mellow Mushroom Pizza. And I, I was at one end of the table. He was at the other end. And I'm like, gosh, that guy looks really familiar. So back to the snowshoe, my wife and I have been married for five years, well, four years. We've been trying to have a kid. And so, you know, the whole temperature thing and, and um I don't know what all you do. No, we weren't doing drugs or anything. I mean, we weren't taking anything to enhance it. So we tried for like three years and she could not get pregnant. And she had a couple of issues, a couple of surgeries. And so I said, well, look, I said, um, we're, we're going to go up to, um, to Snowshoe. But this was when we were looking for the property. That is, that's what it was. We were looking for the property and we stayed at Elk River Touring Center. That was down in, in Slatty Fork. And, and we had been there a couple of times because we'd go skiing and, and maybe the mountain was full and we had waited till the last minute, which I'm pretty bad at for. Uh, and we stayed at the Elk River Touring Center and we'd go up and go skiing. Well, this was uh, summertime. And, you know, there's there's some trails around there that aren't that challenging. So I said, let's just go up there. We'll ride. We'll 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 drive around and look at some land. And, and we'll just make it a real laid back, uh, a long weekend. So we uh, took like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And so we, you know, it was a long weekend. Well, the guy who brought us our, our firewood and our blankets and had been out there like working on the trails was Rich Edwards. He worked for Gil and Mary Willis at Elk River Touring Center. And lo and behold, on that trip, we came home with, with Jackson in her belly. <laughs> she came home pregnant. So when I met Rich, I was like, you know, 
did you ever work up in West Virginia? And, you know, he, he, he talks like he's got gravel in his, in his, in his voice. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was Gil's boy. And, uh, I was like, you know, and I told him the story and it kind of embarrassed him a little bit, you know, that, that, that I remembered him. And I said, I said, well, that was like one of the greatest things that ever happened to us. You know, we, we, we've been trying for years to have a, have a kid. We stopped all of the, all of the, the, the temperature thing, everything the doctor was telling us to do and just relaxed. And I said, it was a great weekend. And, um, I said, and, and, and my son Jackson was the result of that weekend trip. And, and so, uh, that six degrees of separation, uh, I, you've, you've talked to a couple of people about that, you know, the mountain bike community, even on a global. Uh, thing is is pretty small you know uh i mean randy spangler you know who he is you know who ray petro is i mean these are people that i know personally you know and, and it's uh it's it's a funny thing but anyway you may not ever work that into it it may be too embarrassing it may not even be part of mountain biking but rich edwards is one of those people that i have to say uh thanks and give him thanks for multiple reasons for trails and for your son <laughs> correct correct yep maybe he was our good luck john <laughs> well thank you marcus i re- again i really appreciate the time you've taken with this and this your stories are gonna be great you know this is okay this is really gonna connect aniston's a really good place and to and you're a really good person to talk to and that's where some of the some of these topics came from so well, some pointed questions. And I'm looking forward to taking you on a tour yeah you're gonna have to come down you're now, gonna come man. down in january when it's snowing up here and it's not down there well, it'll still be cold here, but it probably won't be snowing. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it'll be a November trip or maybe it'll be a March trip. You know, when I, cause that's the other thing is the, the, I love shoulder season trips to extend my, to kickstart my riding season or to extend my riding season. Heck yeah, man. It's uh well, November is a great time to ride here. Um, you know, the leaves have pretty much finished and usually I've got the <laughs> three trails, you know, cleared of the leaves, off. the downhill yeah. trails. Yeah, uh, that that blowing that's a that's a one of those tough touchy subjects too. But, it is. Uh, I can't I can't leave the leaves there. They're three feet deep, and there's rocks underneath you. You're going twenty miles an hour. It's just too dangerous. No, I get it. I've had the, I've had those discussions too. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Marcus, right, you have buddy. a great weekend. Okay. All right. You too. Now. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to the Trail Effect Podcast on Apple or Spotify, please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect Podcast, check out the Affiliate Links tab at the Trail Effect website where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.traileffectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which will help keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening.